You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You're welcome. Just tell him that he's welcome. See, I believe that you didn't come to hear a good message this morning. I believe that you came to meet with Jesus. So I'm going to do my best possible way to introduce you to the man that changed my life. It was not a message that I listened to. It was not a youth group that I went to. It was not a conference that I ran to. It wasn't a youth camp that I ran to, but it was when Jesus collided with my life. Oh, if only pastor would just, pastors would simply just give Jesus the room and not make it about their ministry, but make it about Jesus. What I have learned as being a pastor is all I have to do is get out of the way and let Jesus have the house. He can do a lot more than I can do in five minutes than I could do in 10, 10 years. I see right now even the Lord coming and landing on people. Just let him, just let him. Stop getting in a hurry. Stop trying to come in looking for that encouraging word. Let Jesus encourage you this morning. Jesus, have your way. We're going to get into the word. We're going to preach. But I just feel strongly to take a moment. And some people might not like it. But when you look at the day of Pentecost, it was said that there was 380 that were there that day. But only 120 were daring enough to stay. And what happened? The fire of God fell. I'm okay with the room getting a little awkward. If Jesus comes, all across this place, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come in power right now. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would walk amongst the rows. God, I pray that you would begin to soften the hard hearts in this room right now. Lord, I pray that you would come with fresh oil from heaven and begin to fall upon your people. God, they do not need an encounter with me. They need an encounter with the living God, Jesus himself, the Son of God, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Some have made it all about everything else but Jesus. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. What would it look like if for a people that when Jesus said, would you just give me five more minutes, you actually would give it to them and not run about your day and be worried about what is coming next? But if we were to be a people that would be tossed to and fro from his presence and be carried about the wind by the Holy Spirit. The only way to change a dying world, a place that people need Jesus, is to be found in his presence. You can't start a good enough ministry It's not Jesus and ministries. It's Jesus and only Jesus. You're going to hear me say Jesus many times today, and the name Jesus might actually offend you. (laughs) The name Jesus I have found either makes or breaks a person's day. I see it happening in the R.A. Long High School. I see it happening when I'm on the streets. 
It's amazing that people that don't even believe in Jesus, they can come to you and say, I think you need to change the name of the school club. That's the Jesus club because that name can be offensive. But if it was the Buddha club, it wouldn't be offensive. Why? Because there's power in the name. And I believe at the church at large, I'm not talking about you today, but there may be some. And I used to be about Jesus and everything else. But listen, there's, there's a people that are about Jesus and I'm telling you, come back to your first love. Come back to Jesus. I've had to be in meetings with people three times my age, bringing the meeting back to Jesus. If Jesus is not preached in a meeting, you're in a wrong meeting. You might walk out and say, man, that man is passionate for Jesus. Absolutely, because he's the one that changed my life. It was not a self-help program. It wasn't a, a meeting for addicts. It wasn't, no, it was Jesus. And I just feel strongly that people need to come to Jesus today. I even hear the Lord saying that you said, man, I said that prayer when I was in fifth grade. That prayer doesn't save. Jesus saves. That's radical, pastor. Absolutely. We use that prayer as a vessel. We use it. It's amazing. But let me tell you what, that prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves your life. And if you don't find Jesus in that prayer, you've missed it. But pastor, I've ran to the altar. Amazing. But if you ran to the altar and not found Jesus in the altar, all you've done is ran to an empty altar. Jesus saves. Jesus is the healer. He's the redeemer. He's the sanctifier. He's the lover of your soul. He's your friend. You don't need anything else but Jesus. Remember those days you would open the word of God and you just begin to cry for no reason? I believe Jesus wants to bring you back to that moment today. Man, Jesus is in the room. I feel him. Came into this meeting knowing that this service was gonna be different than last. Not that last was bad. It was incredible what God did. But I believe that God wants to do business today and he wants to bring your attention back to the Father. 24 hours in a day and it's so hard to get a believer to spend 10 minutes in his presence. I would rather have 10 that burn for him than a, than a church that is full of lukewarm Christians that are doing nothing with their life but just complaining about the people in front of them. That's passionate, Pastor Luke. Absolutely. Be in the presence. Give your life to Jesus. Don't give your life to a ministry. Jesus was the one that hung on a tree for you. Jesus, have your way this morning. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. And I, I just want to talk about something very important that the Lord has unctioned me to talk about. I, so often when the Lord just says, you're going to go off script, I just, I just do it because I know the Lord wants to do something that I might not see, but I know that he wants to do something in the room. And I, and I want to talk about, today we're talking about the core value of health. At the Promise Church, we have core values, and we believe in core value and of, of health. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical health today, even though I believe that is an important factor of that. But I'm talking about spiritual health. 
I'm talking about that it's actually possible that you can wake up in the morning right with God. You can actually walk in freedom. You can actually not be bound to pornography and sin and lust and, and, and drugs and alcohol in your life. It's actually possible. But what I feel the Lord's saying is that there is such a battlefield in the mind. Such a battlefield. It's a battlefield. Every day I wake up, it's like, well, I know that I need to go spend time with Jesus, but my flesh is saying I'd rather spend more time in bed. Anybody else or is it just me? Like, just being real, right? We are in a battle. It's not, it says not against flesh and blood, and I'm going to read it to you. We're going to read scripture today. But I, I, need, I need a people to be called up, that you are in a spiritual fight for your life. And if we know that we had a people that knew how to fight and combat back, everything would change. But what I have realized growing up in the church and just being in, my church, in church my whole life and just, just doing it my whole life, I was, never, I was never told about the Holy Spirit. I just wasn't. It's nothing against my parents. My parents, they, they're here today. They love me. I, they're supporting me. They did the best they knew how. But we just didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And then I met him. And then everything went from religion to relationship. To be like, I don't want to go to church. Now you can't keep me out of the church. But see, I had a fight in my mind. This thing got in the way all the time, as do with a lot of other believers. And we begin to walk down the street and we might have thoughts of, well, you're, you're this. Can I be transparent today? We can be walking down the street and, oh, you're a homosexual. Oh, you're a sinner. Oh, you're not worth it. And you get these thoughts bombarding you, bombarding you, coming at you. You're not worth it. You're unworthy. You're terrible. You messed up last night. Don't you remember that? And we have the enemy, the father of lies, coming at you day after day after day after day. Am I the only one? What I had to do was learn how to fight that. And I believe today the Lord wants to come and teach you what it means to fight. Because you're on the front lines, baby. Welcome to the front lines. Listen, it does not say in the word of God that when you give your life to Jesus, life is going to be perfect. It actually says when you give your life to Jesus, get ready to die. Possibly physically, but spiritually, you are going to die. You are going to come to the altar of God and say, God, here is my life. Living a life that is undignified to the Lord. And I had to learn what it was and how to combat this thing because my mind was at war. And I remember there was a season in my life that I knew that I had not messed up. I knew that I hadn't done anything wrong. I knew that I was walking right with God. I was in freedom but yet the lies of the enemy were coming at me time and time again. I remember being in a meeting. My brother was in the meeting, and, and I'm sitting in this meeting, like some right now might be thinking, and your mind is just going crazy. And I remember my mind just being so foggy and just so like, oh my gosh, I actually messed up. And I remember at the end of the meeting, I looked at my brother and I said, what is going on? Like, I know that I haven't messed up. I know that, I, that I'm not... Um, I haven't went down this road, but I know in my life, I feel like I've messed up. And he says, oh, no, no. He looked at me and he says, get ready, buddy. Welcome to the front lines. He says, you need to learn how to fight. One way to be spiritually healthy is knowing how to fight, knowing how to live in the word of God. I want to read to you Ephesians 6. Go ahead and turn there if you guys want to. 
And I encourage you as I read this, you've probably heard it at the age of five. But oh, we're gonna, we're gonna read it and we're gonna preach it because I need a people that are empowered by the Holy Ghost. I need a people that know who they are in Christ Jesus. I need a people that know what their identity is in God. If you know who you are in God, who can stand against you? Nobody. No principality, no power over this region can stand against a person, a son or daughter of the living God. Let me tell you what. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you. And we're going to see what God wants to do today. But I believe that God is calling up a people. And I believe that God is going to do business today. He, see, God comes as the lion and he comes as the lamb. I believe today he's coming to flip some tables in this place. In righteous anger. You got what it takes. You don't have to live with the mental things in your mind. You can actually be free from that. You don't have to be bound by that any longer. But you can experience freedom through Christ Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you understand that he is the doorway? He's the door. Not the promised church. Not that ministry. Not that pastor on YouTube that you watch. But Jesus is the door. And when you find yourself not just linked arms with him, but him living in, through, and to you, all of a sudden, everything changes. Because you identify that you are a son or a daughter of God. And nothing can stand against you. You might be saying, well, pastor, that's just passionate. I'm just a passionate person that loves Jesus. You're passionate about whatever it is that you love. I'm asking you get passionate for Jesus. Have a fire in your eyes that when people look at you, something is different in your eyes. And they begin to ask you, what's on your life? I have stories after stories of not even being able to preach the name of Jesus, but people getting born again because they see Jesus on my life. That's not to make me look good, but that's because I live in the scriptures. I allow the Holy Spirit to have his way every single day of my life because it's not my life. I'd rather die. I'd rather have him be a part of my life. I have nothing to give you but Jesus. Stop coming into churches looking for a good message. Turn to Jesus. Amen. Let's preach. Here we go. Ephesians 6.10. I'm going to read the whole thing to you because we believe the word of God. There's too many churches that don't preach the word. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Pause. Be clothed in Jesus. Be clothed. You want to be spiritually healthy? Be clothed in the man of Jesus. Be clothed in Jesus. I pray this every single day. Well, I'm going to read you every day. And I also cover myself in the precious blood of the lamb. The blood speaks a better word. The blood speaks a better word. Every day, every single day. So be clothed is another way of saying it. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the sheems of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now listen, when it says, therefore, you must pay attention. Therefore, take up. The whole armor. It doesn't say take up some. It does not say take up just some. It says take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Then it says again, stand. Therefore, I'm calling you up today, Promise Church. Stand. 
It's time to stand. It's not time to sit in your shame. and con- See, the enemy brings that. But you need to understand that temptation is not sin. So what does the enemy use? All of a sudden he says, you're thinking that, that's you. All of a sudden you begin to say, that's not me. I'm one in Christ Jesus. That's a lie from the devil himself. And I'm found free in Christ Jesus. You need to pick up the whole armor of God. You need to stand. Stand on what? The word of God. Let's keep reading. Stand firm. Stand therefore as fashioned on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. That means in the good and the bad. That means when life is really good, you don't put your shield down. That means you actually put it up higher. Am I making sense today? The good and the bad. We're really good at running to Jesus, whether when it's good or when it's really bad, we'll run to Jesus. It says, in all circumstances, stand. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now hear this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with the perseverance, making supplication for the saints. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. Let me say it again. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. It says, pray, pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't like that, Pastor. I was hurt by the church. Listen, it's not about you. It's about what the Word of God says. It's about what the Word says. And I'm going to talk about church hurt and offense here in a moment. But we so often get offended at something that is actually biblical because we take what someone else says about it and we apply it to our life before we take it to the Word of God because we're a believer that aren't in the Word. You must be in the Word. Why? You might be saying, I don't need to be in the Word. Let me read to you something. 2 Timothy, are you okay with scripture this morning? You're going to get a lot of it. 2 Timothy 3.16, we all know it. All scripture, say all. So all means you can't take some and leave some. That means if you believe it, you believe the day of Pentecost and that day is for you today. That you can actually be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you can't no longer say, well, you know, pastor, I don't, I don't really believe in that. Listen, God is so much outside of your box. If you would just allow him to be God in your life, watch what he'll do in your life. And what I've learned is that if you just move out of the way and let God be God in your life, if he wants to touch your life, game over. I've been in those moments of God, I'm just hungry for you and I don't care what it looks like. I just want you. And I believe God's calling a people right now just saying, man, I just want you. Be careful what you ask for. Because the person that you were judging that was up here dancing and screaming and yelling for Jesus, that might be you next. And are you okay with that? Because God is a God of you losing your dignity. Because it's not about you. See, it's amazing when Joel got born again. It was, it was his day. It was, it was amazing. Like, it was Joel's day, gets baptized, like that is Joel's day. The first 5% of Christianity in Joel's life is about him. But let me tell you something. 
The next 95% is now about God and others. The only you in all that is when God is talking about the two commandments that actually matter is love God with all your heart, soul, right? And then it says, love God or love your neighbors as yourself. The only way you can love yourself or love your neighbors is simply by knowing how to love yourself. So that's where the only yourself plays any part after you're born again. All of a sudden, it's about everybody else and not, not about you. So what we've done is we've made this thing of, I'm coming into church and I'm about me. I'm a me ministry guy. I want it to be about me. I want my needs met. I want this met. And we come in with our arms crossed, with a bad face, looking at what we can get from God and not looking at what God's actually doing in the room. Because we're self-consumed. It's about me. It's about me. But don't you know Jesus was the, the biggest servant of all? And if Jesus is the standard, how much greater that we need to be striving after him? But what we want is we want to come in and make it all about people serving my needs. I'm calling you up. I'm not yelling at you today. I'm yelling with you. I'm, I'm, I'm equipping you. I'm standing with you. If I can provoke you just a little bit to get closer to Jesus, I've done my job well. I, as a pastor, am supposed to show you Jesus. I could care less about a, a good message. I could care less if I don't even touch my message, but if we read scripture, amen. We have enough fancy preaching out there. Void the power of God. I want God to wreck a room. Man, I, you know why I love preaching to youth? I love preaching to youth because they come in with no grid. They come in with no, well, let's see what this pastor has to say. I don't like that pastor. He's got dreads. I don't like that pastor. He's a little too passionate. Let's, let, let's take a back seat and let's see what this guy's got. You know why I love youth? Because they actually come in with a childlike hunger. And the word of God talks about the only way you can receive the kingdom of God is to be childlike. Amen. Some of y'all need to come on a Wednesday night and become childlike. Yes. You know what's amazing to me? Wednesday nights, I would be no other place. Seven to ten youth come in. Worship goes for two hours. No agenda. We've made life so agenda-driven. I have to do this. I have to get that. I got to become this. No. I have youth that come in, and they're like, all we want is Jesus. And you know what's the funnest thing is they don't even know how to worship because we're teaching them. And let me tell you what. This last Wednesday, they, they came in, and something broke in the room. You know, I love bands, but I love what happened today because it was a broke down set. It actually forces you to worship because there's no wild band in the back. And I love bands. I love it. Bigger the better. But see, what the youth are learning is that it doesn't matter. We have an acoustic player, one guy on stage with an acoustic guitar and worshiping the Lord. And you come in on a Wednesday night and you see youth abandoned at the throne of God, saying, God, whatever it takes. See, they come in with childlike faith. But adults, you, you, you get the, well, I've done life. I've, I've done church. I'm older than this guy. I know better than him. And you make it about you rather than God. So you come in and you say, man, I didn't meet Jesus in the worship set. But what you've done is said, man, I don't like that worship set because it wasn't sung to you. Jesus is the answer. We're not singing, and this is in love, but we're not singing worship to you. We're singing worship to Jesus. My job as a pastor is to minister unto the one, and you get the overflow. So right now, 
I'm ministering to Jesus. It doesn't matter if there's five in the room or 100 in the room. I minister to Jesus first and you get the overflow. So let's go back to why you need to be in the word of God. Are we good this morning? We're just gonna jump around. Okay. I love following the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16. Back to all scripture. Again, all means all. Is God breathed and is useful. What's it useful for? Teaching? Rebuking? Say amen. You know the word of God is actually sharper than any two-edged sword. It's meant to cut you. It's actually meant to rub you wrong. And that's why you need to be in it. <laughs> meant for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This, this, word, is not, this word is not meant for you to read it. It's meant for it to read you. Let me say it again. This word is not for you to read it, but it's actually meant for it to read you and correct you and to rebuke you and to cut you wide open, to sever things off in your life that aren't supposed to be there. So why would you think the enemy would come and say, you don't need to be in the word of God because he knows that there's actually power in the word. So what he's done and what I've seen in this generation coming up is, well, I don't need to be in the word. I can watch this or I can watch that. Listen, what you can receive in the word is no, what no pastor can give you. Even me reading this to you, I would encourage you to go back and read and live in Ephesians 6. Because you're going to begin to get things out of it that I didn't even begin to touch on. That's why when you read the word, you have to become at it at a child likeness. But see, I could, I, I could quote to you John 3.16 and immediately you'd begin to say, well, you know, I've already, I know that. I don't even listen to it. Right, we, we begin to put these things up in our mind and we allow our mind to dictate what we think. But what if we came in childlike always? I'm calling you up today. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the shield of faith, remember? I heard it said this way, that back in the day, the sword, right? The sword is what? The word of God. So when the shield was brought up, if for some reason there was an arrow that came through because Arrows come through, right? You get hit with flaming darts. The enemy shoots flaming darts every day, all day long. And there's times that you're going to get hit. And if I'm the only one, pray for me. But I know that it's normal for everybody. It's all day long. But what do you do when one actually penetrates you? It was said back in the day that the sword that they used actually was meant to root out the arrows. So what does that mean? When the enemy shoots a flaming dart at you and actually hits you, what do you do with that? You turn to the word. Because the word is the sword. Am I getting anywhere today? Come on, somebody. I know it's simple, but we need to go back to simplicity. I'm a simple man. I like it simple. I don't like it complicated. I want Jesus, right? Jesus is what changed my life. Jesus. Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. Let me read to you one more thing. Let's turn to Luke 10, 38. No, change of plans. Let's go to Matthew 6, 33. Make sure you read Luke 10, 38, though. Don't be a Martha. Don't make sandwiches for Jesus that Jesus didn't ask for. Be a Mary that lives at the feet 
of Jesus. Martha was distracted at not only doing, it wasn't wrong what she was doing, but she was distracted. Mary found the better portion. Mary sat at the feet. She sat. And Jesus says, you chose, what does that mean? Meaning she chose Jesus over everything else. I can't choose Jesus for you. My mom, my dad, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, they can't choose Jesus for you. You have to choose him daily for yourself. It's your life that you're accountable for. There's going to be a day, whether you like it or not, that you're going to stand before God. You will. And when you've heard the gospel preach, which you are hearing it right now, you will be accountable for your own life. Amen. Meaning, your grandma that's been praying for you to come to know Jesus is not going to be there on that day accounting for your life. Meaning you're going to account for your own life. And it's the same day to day with daily personal encounters with the Lord. You have to choose Jesus every day. I'm not with you at 7 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday. But you have to choose Jesus for yourself. We have busy schedules. I get it, but I make time for him. You will make time for what you love. There's not a good enough excuse. You make time to watch that football game. You make time to eat that. You make time to do that. You make time to go on vacation. You make time to, why? Because you love it. If you love Jesus, you will make time. It can seem harsh, but it's the reality. And until I actually took it upon myself and realized I have to discipline myself because I'm here to tell you today, I'm not the only one that wakes up in the morning and I'm like, I don't want to read the word but I've disciplined myself. And let me tell you what, you can ask any person, not just myself, ask them if time spent with the Lord has ever been in vain and they didn't want to do it. And they would say, are you kidding me? Ask me. Like I spend time with the Lord and I might not have wanted to in the beginning, but let me tell you afterwards, I'm encouraged. I've been rebuked. I've been corrected. I've been equipped. I'm in prayer with the Holy Spirit. I'm worshiping the Holy Spirit, Right? There's never a moment that I look back on when I've spent time with Jesus and ever regretted it. Make a decision today. Choose Jesus every day. Okay, one more thing we're gonna touch on, then we're gonna pray. Who wants Jesus to touch them today? I hope so. You're in the right place. Jesus is gonna do business. I wanna talk about community for a moment. We're talking about having a a healthy spiritual life, and I wanna touch on community for a moment because community is one of the most important things that you need in your life. And I want to share about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a moment. I shared about it at a service close probably about a month ago, and if you've heard it, you need to hear it again. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you all know the story. When they're standing against Nebuchadnezzar, they're about ready to get thrown into the fire. And, and Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, all, y'all, all you guys are going to bow down and you're going to worship the idol, but they had an even-if faith. They said, even if my God does not come through, I will not bow to the ways of the enemy. They said, forget it. But let me, let me just tell you something for a moment. I'm pretty sure that there might have been a moment that Shadrach woke up the next day and was not quite feeling like he wanted to stand. Anybody else just feel tired and weary sometimes and you're just like, I don't want to stand. I don't want to fight today. I'd rather just give back into the ways of the world. I'd rather just live the way that I used to live, right? But see, why is community important? Because there was a Meshach and Abednego that were standing with them in the fire. 
Also, the son of man himself, Jesus, was in the fire. But I'm sure that there were days that, that Shadrach was waking up and they're like, man, I don't want to stand today. And the other two are like, get up. And they begin to pour into his life saying, man, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to stand with you today. I'm going to fight with you today. Listen, I don't wake up every day great. I'm human, just like anybody else. Stop putting pastors on, ele stop elevating them. We're human. I believe the cycle of sin and the ways of death can come to a halt in Jesus' name. I don't struggle with sin, and I can proudly say it today because I've been possessed by the Holy Spirit. I don't have time for sin. Sure, I mess up, I make mistakes, but I do not have time for sin in my life. But look at Shadrach. He's probably in certain moments like, man, I don't feel it today. But the other two are like, get up. Why is community important? Because you need people in your corner that are God-centered that can pick you up out of your mess, that can see something in your life that's a blind side that you're not seeing. Why is it important? Why would the enemy come and attack community so often? Because God is actually a God of community. God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus the Son of God, three in one, Trinity, community. So if it's important to God, it must be important to you. You need to be in a community of believers. I don't care if you join the Promise Church. I just pray that you would join a church that believes, one, the whole word of God, believes in Jesus, believes in the move of the Holy Spirit, and that they're empowering you. But be plugged in. But what we've done is we get church hurt and offense built up because we've seeked first the kingdom of other people's ministries, right? John, or Matthew 6, 33, seek first his righteousness, it's not seek first the other, that pastor's righteousness. No, you're seeking first his righteousness. But all of a sudden, we have believers that come in and say, man, I don't like that. I don't like that, pastor, because you've hurt, put your hope in man and not Jesus. Amen. So you get church hurt. You get a fence built up in your life. Let me tell you something. You do not have time for unforgiveness in your life. Why? Because unforgiveness will keep you from the call of God on your life. I've seen it. I've seen it from the side of deliverance and I've seen it on the side of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When it comes to being delivered, all of a sudden, if not always, it's something rooted in unforgiveness. Whether it's something that you need to forgive in your own life about you or it's something that you need to forgive someone else. Holy Spirit, the amount of times that we've prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for people. And no, number one, it would be that they don't believe that it's a gift. They have to work their way to heaven. They have to re retain that thing. Let me tell you, it's a gift. He is the greatest gift of all. But then also the amount of times that they don't receive the Spirit of God because there's unforgiveness in your life. You do not have time to hang on to unforgiveness in your life. Well, that pastor said that and that church, stop. Go higher. Think higher. Make Jesus the standard. Well, you know, I'm going to go to that other church and I'm going to let that church know that that other church is terrible. And stop with the drama. Yeah. Understand that it's not about you. It's about God and other people. People are going to hurt you. Let me read to you more scripture so it hits even harder. Here we go. 1 John 2, 9. If it doesn't hurt now, it's really going to hurt. 1 John 2, 9 through 10. I'm preaching. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. In him, there is no cause for stumbling. If you have hatred in your heart towards anybody, you're in sin. Get right with God. You can't call yourself in light if you're living in dark and hating your brother. Get right. 
Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? This is Jesus' words. Take it up with him. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Other translations say 70 times seven, meaning it never ends. You don't have time to hold on to it. You know what I want to see? I want to see churches filled with new converts, not new church transfers. And I'm not against it. If the Lord has called you to come here from another church, bless your soul. I'm so happy. I'm glad that you hear the Lord. Please hear my heart. Hear my heart today. I'm not saying leave. I'm just saying I want to see a church that is growing with new people that haven't been introduced to Jesus coming through these doors. Not people coming in saying, man, that church burned me and that pastor did that and that person did that. Stop. Think higher. Go higher. Let Jesus be the standard. You need to understand that people are going to hurt you. The church is going to hurt you. It's actually made of imperfect people. But let me tell you something. I heard it said by a pastor. That see, we come in week after week. Maybe, maybe you have a fence in your life and you don't even know it. God's going to reveal it today and unlock something in your life. But see, so often people come through the doors to church and they have offenses in their life and they don't want to serve. They don't want to be in community. They want to be in isolation, which that's where the enemy wants you anyways. And so we live in a place of isolation and all this stuff. But you need to understand something. The person that was hurt most by the church, Jesus, you, you understand that religion is what nailed him to a tree? The religious people, hear my heart, that Jesus himself still shows up on Sundays. And we come in with offenses in our lives saying, well, I'm not going to, man, I really don't like that. I really don't like that. Jesus doesn't do that. Who are we called to be like? Jesus. Who's the greatest example? Jesus. So I'm here to tell you today, you don't have time for church hurt in your life. You don't have time for unforgiveness in your life. You don't have time for, to, listen, we think we're tough because we keep it on us. No, you're actually destroying your life. The world says you're stronger if you stay bitter and you show people up. No, you're actually destroying your life. You need to go low. You need to be the first to forgive. Well, I'm just going to stay back here. I'm going to wait till that person, I'm going to teach them a lesson. Stop it. Jesus would be the first one washing their feet. He washed Judas's feet even knowing he was going to betray him. Jesus was the one that was hanging on a tree and said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. There's people in your life that are hurting you and shaming you and doing these things and they don't even know that they're doing it and you're holding it on and it's destroying your life. Be free today. Come to Jesus. Choose Jesus. Let me read to you three things and then we're gonna pray. I really, I really feel the Lord gave me these three things that would show that you might have offense in your heart. And listen, I'm not, I'm not here to pick a fight. I'm, not, I just, I'm sharing my heart. I, I so care that people would be free that I would preach the daring messages. I'm not here to appease you. I'm here to minister to Jesus. If you walk out offended at me, that's on you. I would pray that you would actually not talk about it and spread gossip, but you would actually come to me and share me what you have a problem with. But see, what we've done is we've made it, well, I, I'm not going to go talk to that person, but I'm going to tell everybody in my circle about it so I can keep them away from it. But really, you just need to come to the source and deal with it. We don't like face-to-face -face communication. We like going and telling people everything else 
that that person did wrong, but we actually don't even like trying to help that person. If you truly loved them and they were in the wrong, you'd actually go to them first to help them get right. Then spreading gossip about everything else. Man, I'm preaching this morning. Ways to, uh, ways to tell if you have offense and church hurt in your heart. Number one, you come in with your arms crossed and you critique the preaching and worship time. You are always looking for what is wrong and not what God is doing in the room. Number two is you won't serve. You have made church about you and people worshiping you rather than you being a servant and worshiping the feet of, uh, washing the feet of others. You come in with the mindset of how about you worship me because I obviously am the only perfect one in the room. You come in thinking, let's see what they got. I'm gonna come back here, I'm gonna critique them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point the finger at them by all the time you're saying, how about you just worship me because I'm the only one that knows best. That's a reason that you need to get free. You need that bondage to be broken off your life. You're not created to live that way. Wouldn't it be so much fun and better off just to come in and just feel free to be you and just to worship and be in the house of God than for you to have to have your arms crossed and critique everything that everybody's doing? I really, I stopped judging the way God moves in rooms because he landed on me a few times and just destroyed me and my dignity then now when I look at people and how they get marked by God, I'm a little less quick to judge. Sure, you discern. That's why it's important to be with the Holy Spirit. Sure. But I'm, I'm a lot less quick to judge because I'm like, man, God's on that person. And then I find myself starting to pray for them, starting to encourage them, starting to thank God, get them. Then being like, well, I don't. It's not in the Bible. Well, actually... There was a moment, Saul to Paul, right, when he gets struck, falls out like a dead man, blind for days. It happens. Let me just tell you this. If God wants to land on you, he's going to do it in the way that he wants to, and there's going to be no say in how he, that you, you, you can't stop him. Okay, one more thing. Here we go. You have no outflow, only inflow. Meaning you come in saying, fix my problems, help me, how about me? How about you make this about me? How about you worship songs to me? How about you serve me? How about you fix my problems? You're called to have an outflow in your life, meaning that you come in not looking to be filled, but you're already filled up. Yes, it is amazing to come into the corporate group of believers and to worship. There's days I come in and my tank's a little empty. Anybody else? Like you're like, I need to be in the house of God, but I believe more often than not, you need to actually have a tank that's full that you're spending time with Jesus in the secret place because what you attain in the secret place, you can never attain in the public place. Amen. Let me say it again. That conference you go to is great, but that conference isn't your savior. Jesus saves. That conference you wait for every year to go to and get slain by the Holy Ghost, amazing. But how are you two weeks later? I tell my youth all the time, I say, man, it's amazing that God wrecked your life this weekend, but my telling that if God truly marked your life is two weeks later, are you still, still spending time with him in the word of God? That's my telling. And I ask you today, yeah, God can come wrecking a room. He can come move through a room. He can, he can transform your life. You can get up and look different, but what does it look like two weeks later? Are you stewarding it well? Would you stand with me? Let's do this. Let's just, uh, can we just turn, turn the pad up just a little more for a moment? And I, I just want to spend some time with Jesus. Uh, if, you, if you just, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. 
If you need to get right with God and you need to get offense dealt with in your life. Now listen, this could be something that, you've, that you have to deal with yourself, that it's unforgiveness in your own life. It could be that, that you have unforgiveness towards brother or sister, you, you name it. Everyone just close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to take a second. I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Just have him search your heart. And what I want to do is I'm just going to make it quick. I'm just going to count to three, and you know who you are. This isn't to build hype. It's not to build emotion. This is so you can get right and free in the name of Jesus. And I need you to understand that when you come forward, you're not running to an altar. You're running to Jesus. Altars don't save your life. Jesus saves your life. So in this moment, Holy Spirit, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that if there's people in here that have offenses built up in their life, it could be small, it could be big. God, you're here to do business today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come in power. Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to breathe on the individuals that need to respond to this, God, and that they will find freedom. The ones that maybe have been looked at wrong by other people that have been been told this or that they've been put labeled on they whatever it be God I pray that forgiveness would happen today so on the count of three if you need to get right with God I just want you to come to the front get on your knees make it about you and Jesus this morning one two three just come to the front don't worry about the people around you it doesn't matter if there's one doesn't matter if there's everybody I just want God to come and make himself known to you this morning today Holy Spirit come right now You don't have time to hang on to it. You don't. You do not have time. It's keeping you from what God wants to do through your life. Don't be the tough one that says, man, I'm just going to deal with it. I'll deal with it on my own. No, you need a community of people right now to come around you and pray for you. Well, I'll just deal with it when I get home. Stop it. If you make an excuse today, you'll make one 10 years from now. Make a decision. Get right with Jesus. Get right. Come to Jesus. Come to the Lamb of God. It says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Stop with looking. Behold Him. Behold the Lamb. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now. Even now, Lord, you're beginning to come upon people. Lord, I pray that you would intensify it on them. Holy Spirit, set people free today. Man, I see that someone has a fence towards a dad and it's been for about 20 years. Stop hanging on to it. Give it to Jesus. He's the only one found worthy. He's the only one that can break the yoke. He's the only one that can sever it from your life. You're not meant to be a a son or a daughter that is bound. Jesus, come. We're going to worship in a moment, but for just the ones that came forward, just keep your eyes on the Lord, and I just want you in your own words. Forgiveness comes. Unforgiveness leaves when you say, in Jesus' name, I forgive, and you state the name. And I'm telling you, for some it might be hard to say the name, but you need to say the name of the person that you're asking God to help you forgive. So in your own way, just right now, I just want you to out loud, you have to say it out loud. I cannot say this enough. You have to say it out loud. You have to declare it with your mouth and with your heart that I am forgiving this person. And the only one that is able to help you is Jesus himself. So right now, just take 
10 seconds, say, I state your name, forgive, and forgive the person. Say their name out loud. Release them, Holy Spirit. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go, Holy Spirit. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go in the name of Jesus. Be loosed. Every spirit of offense come off of them right now. Set them free. Set your people free, Holy Spirit. Set them free from years of bondages. Set them free. Set them free. If you're standing, guys, would you just lift your hands to heaven? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Jesus, come right now. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, come. He's the only one found worthy. Break the chains today, Jesus. Never again. Never looking back. Never looking back. Let's worship the Lord for a few minutes. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. All across this place, keep your eyes on the Lord. Let's worship Him in spirit and in truth.